just before the service, I was just talking with, with Eric, and we are having a good talk, and this thought just came to me that comfort is overrated. Comfort is well overrated. And we're not called to live comfortably, we're called to live on the edge, aren't we? We're called to be people that live on the edge. And um, it's interesting, um, you may may not know this, but Danielle, Danielle um, finished work about four weeks ago, and just for one reason or another just felt it was time to, to, to uh, let go of that grace, passion, maybe had run out, and, uh, and so it was time just to, to, to let go, and, and God spoke to her in the shower, said, you know, if you want to uh, step into something, you've got to step out of something, and so she stepped out to step in. And, um, and that's awesome. But what it's done, it means that uh, we have a mortgage that needs paying. We bought the house on two salaries. And uh, it's time for us again to just trust. And you're always in a constant state of trusting in him. But there's times where uh, he wants to, to just test that or enlarge that. And our response, just like Mike was saying, our response to it's critical. And so uh, comfort's well overrated. It's time to get scared. It's time to feel that sickness thing, you know, when God says, come on, it's time to be enlarged. I want to stretch. I want to stretch you. I want to stretch your faith. I want to stretch you as an individual. I want to do a work deep in you that would establish you not for tomorrow, but for your lifetime. I want to establish a work in you that no matter what comes in the future, you will step up, step into, and just continue to almost ride the waves as they come and ride over the waves, not have the waves come and crush you. And so comfort's well overrated. And Jesus said, I will build my church. And as we've been looking at, this building work takes place on the inside of us. Not on the outside of us, but on the inside of us. And so he wants to build and establish pillars of love, pillars of faith, pillars of hope, pillars of joy, pillars of peace on the inside of his church, which is you and I. I will build my church and I'm going to build these things, which is him on the inside of my people. Why? So my people are able to demonstrate my life on the earth. My people will be literally able to be a demonstration of me. Phenomenal. When he died, that's what he died for you and me to become. Now. Not tomorrow. Not six months into the future. But now. To be on this journey, to be having this work done within you today. So why, Greg? So I'm able and we are able to demonstrate the life of Christ into the earth. How do you think the glory is going to fill the earth? Through the church, not through a supernatural move of the Father. He's already done that. Through a supernatural move of Him through His people. How many people call themselves followers? Well, I don't know, maybe there could be a billion followers. Imagine a billion followers demonstrating the life of Christ through them. Do you think the glory might fill the earth? If a world saw this church selfless, sacrificial, set apart, and sent into the world to demonstrate him. Very quiet. We pondering that? Is that a picture that's forming and building in your mind to go, what? Man, I just, Greg Simner lives my life in Camborne. I do my little thing and goes by and I wake up and I go to sleep and have a bit of fun here, a bit of this. No, son. I died for much, much more than that. I died that you would be able. Why? Because I've sent 
myself called the Holy Spirit. And I've sent the Spirit, and I've sent the Spirit to be in you, in power, to perform a work which will propel you from your current state into my reality. Really? Yeah. That's available? Yeah. To me? Little old me? Yeah. You're not little old you. You're someone that was conceived before you were. You're someone that was thought of before you ever were. You're someone that I had in mind before your parents even came together. Before they were even in mind, you were. Unbelievable who we have been called to be, become, and do. And he says, you know what? This work is going to take place within you. And I've given you my power of the Spirit. It's contained within the Spirit. It's an authentic power to do a work, to create a reality in which you can live out because it's me in you. That very reality will set us apart from the things of this world, the thinking of the world, the heart postures of the world. And as I said, it will propel us into his reality where we are able to live out what's painted in here. Just come with me to Ephesians 3.20. Something I want to pick up just quickly that I didn't mention last Sunday. So we looked at this, if you weren't here, we looked at Ephesians 3, 14 to 20. And we talked about how God's power, if you work through 14, 15, 16, 17, you'll see what God's power actually does. It propels us into a reality of his love, of seeing him for who he is, and then being able to ask and think according to the view you now have of him. But it says this in verse 20 at the bottom. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Everybody say works. The power that works. Colossians 1, 28, 29. Paul said, The power that works mightily within me. You see, this power is active. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. Paul's saying there is a power contained within the Spirit which works in me. And because it works in me, it brings me into a reality. It does a work in me. Now, he can't do the work and he acknowledges that in Romans, I think it's Romans seven eighteen. He acknowledges, he says, everything that I want to do, I have a desire to do, I can't seem to do it. So he's saying that there's been this transaction that's happened because now I've received a, a measure of the Spirit, of the Spirit of power, the Spirit of truth has come into me, and now I'm finding the things that I weren't able to achieve, I'm actually achieving them, through a different form because there's this power of the Spirit now working within me. I can't accomplish that in my flesh, but now I can accomplish things in my spirit. So in, in my body, I live by faith now. Uh, the life I live, I live by faith in the Spirit. And now I'm finding myself being propelled into another reality. So the question I want to ask us is, that, is this power working in us, changing us? Because it's available and it's there. We may not realize it 
And we can't be satisfied with just verbal statements, guys. We can't be satisfied with just speaking a reality that we're not yet in. If we speak it forth, it's there to propel us into. But we can't be happy with just saying we're something if we're not living in the reality of it. It's two-sided, you understand? Jesus said he was this, he demonstrated it. Everything he said, he backed up with a demonstration. And yet for so long, we've been so happy with just saying stuff, but not actually coming into the life. So we may say we're overcomers, but we're undercome, really. The things that come, things that Mike talked about, they come, the tests and the trials, they actually crush us, not to the point where we overcome them. So we say, but we're overcomers in Christ because we believe and we go, yes, but then I am to live that out and overcome. What's the point of saying I'm something if I actually never demonstrate it? It's a false reality. It's inauthenticity. That's pharisaical because they said they were this, but then couldn't act it out. He said, do what they tell you to do, but just don't do what they do. You see, there's this reality, and I want to read this to you because this man puts it beautifully. Art Katz, in his book, Apostolic Foundations, probably one of the greatest failures of the church is to be satisfied with verbal statements and creedal affirmations, but without the corresponding actuality. We are deceived, and we will be deceiving others if we satisfy ourselves with mere verbal acknowledgments alone. God is existential. He is the God of reality. He is not content, listen to this, with the mere approval of a doctrine. He waits for the appropriation and the reality. So there's a measure that's contained within the spirit that you and I are to come into. You see, there is a, I'm, I'm still trying to destroy, struggling to describe what this posture is, what coming into true spirit and truth is. To me, it's like a lane. It's like a posture in you that you're in, and the more you're in it, it just opens up. And so you're flowing in this thing called the spirit. Walk and live in the spirit. It's very hard to describe but it's fully available. And God gives us, I've said, his power to lead us into it in the spirit. But how is it formed in us? And that's what I want to look at today. How does this sort of thing happen knowing that it's of a spiritual dimension? It's not something that we can just, as we've been talking about, read a book and it just happens. It can guide us. It can lead us. But ultimately, it's at the submission of our lives unto him, waiting and preparing ourselves to him. And then somewhere in the waiting and his timing and our hunger and our faith and our obedience, something connects. And all of a sudden, you're just altered, sometimes radically or a little bit. And I just realize something's shifted. And you go, how did it happen? But you can't give anyone else the manual to how it happened, but you can help people, lead them, and guide them to this edge of the cliff reality where it's now about to get horrible and you've got to take a risk because you've left comfort zone and you're now standing on the preface. What's that word? Thank you. Going. And all of a sudden the Spirit God meets you and there's a work, an authentic work of the Spirit in you. So, let's, this is the first. How is, I want to give you two things today in my own experience of how this power is perfected in us. The first one is through the continuous work of the cross in our lives. Through the continuous work of the cross in our lives. And the second thing, which will come up later, but I'll give it to you now, is through our weakness. So the continuous work of the cross in our lives, number one, and then through our weakness, and both these are absolute positions of strength in him. Okay? They are absolutely, I want you to hear this, positively, Wellington, no, 
Absolutely, positively positions of strength. You need to hear they are to be weak is strong. If you want to have authority in Christ, true authority, it's found in true weakness. Paul has to come, we're going to look at that, and he states something, that is the power of strength is when we have arrived at the death of us. It's so back to front, but it's not. It's the right way round. So let's look at this continuous work of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1.18. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to turn there. It will be above me. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, because salvation is a whole process. We've been told, are you saved? What we mean by that is, have you been justified by the blood of Christ? Yes. But salvation is actually a whole process. It's a journey of being saved. What does that mean, Greg? It means being transformed and coming into the likeness of Christ. I thought I already was that. Well, you are technically because his blood is in you. He washes you. Now it's the appropriation of his life coming through you. So you literally think, speak, hear, act like him. The demonstration of him on the earth. That's why it says you've got to take thoughts captive because when those thoughts aren't yours, you need to take that thought captive and align it to the cross. Oh, I'm not justified. Yes, you are. Oh, I'm a loser. No, you're not. Oh, I can't do this. Yes, you can in him. See, that's not his thinking. If it says, oh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yes, you can in your own flesh, absolutely. But through the power and the anointing and the revelation of the Son within you, you can do all things. But see, one's a position of, you know what, that's actually a, a, a wrong mindset. That's a position of strength in the flesh. This is a position of strength in the spirit. But it sounds back to front because our natural says, We're to be strong. Yes, but true authority is found in humility. Which is found in intimacy. Not in the flesh or the things that we put it in. So here's the question. What is the word of the cross? What is the message of the cross? What's what's the cross about? Who can tell me? If it's the power of God, what is the word of the cross? It's the good news, but what's it a, what is the message of? Death and life. The word of the cross is a message of death, but life. So, if the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are being saved, but it's the power of God to those being saved. What is it about this message of death that births life that we need to come into and engage with? What is the cross? What does the cross want to do in our lives? The cross comes to do a work. It comes to kill something and to release something. So every time our mindset is anti the kingdom, every time what you think's right, but it's actually not necessarily right, could be completely wrong, and God's truth comes and it shines on what you think's right, but not, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a disconnect. And so his thinking, his cross, the truth comes and it goes, I want to shape that thinking. So what needs to happen? Somebody needs to die in that. Something needs to die, doesn't it? Because they both can't be right. And so our thinking must submit itself to the cross, the truth that's coming at me. 
If it doesn't, guess what? It starts fighting and gets into an argument. No, no, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it only ends in death. But I think this, well, that's great, but what does God say on the matter? Because that's the only thing that matters. And so much of sometimes our thinking is so not of him, and when it comes and then you're confronted with it, there's a, there's a tension that happens. And I'm not just saying you just willfully accept it, but are we open enough, humble enough, and hungry enough to even seek to see whether it is true, to see whether, well, actually my thinking aligns with it, or you know what, through that process, did I realize I was believing a whole lot of rubbish? Because ultimately, you'll know because the life in you will be coming out of you if you're in truth. So the truth will set you free. This is how you know you'll have love, you'll have peace, you'll have joy, you'll have the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because the truth, the cross, is doing a work in you and it's birthing life in you. No life, probably not in truth. You're in our version of truth, but it's not His truth. And the truth sets us free. So what does that mean, Greg? means I've got to submit to the cross. But I did that 15 years ago. I'm sorry if that was the version that you were taught. It's a whole lifetime. It's not a one-off event. It's a process because none of us have fully arrived, have we? None of us today think like Christ, act like Christ, are able to demonstrate Christ in the fullness, but we're called to live in the fullness of God in us. So it's a continuous work of what? Repentance. And that is not a swear word. We've treated it like a swear word. It is the most, one of the most beautiful words in God's living word. Repent. What did Jesus say before he started his ministry? What were the first words that he spoke as a 30-year-old about to start, before he said, come follow me, what did he say? Because his words define the whole attitude that we must live in. Who can tell me? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, ultimately, turn from your reality that you think is right. But you're not from his world, but we think somehow that we are right still. So turn from your reality and move your whole life this way into mine. Allow me to literally take off your head and put my head on you. Allow me to transform and renew your thinking, which will take your whole lifetime that you're here with me on this planet. And allow me to birth through my power of my spirit, my thinking. Because if you think like me, guess what happens? All things open up and you'll start asking, seeing. You'll have eyes to see why I allow suffering. You'll have eyes to see why I allow you to go through things. And it will have purpose and meaning. And instead of running away from everything, you'll run into it. And it will do a work in you because I didn't die for you to just live here. I died you to be set apart from this thing, preparing unto another reality. See, if we can see truly why God allows us to go through external things, it would birth and catapult us into another realm. It's not about the external thing. See, if God wants to promote you or there's something or there's, there's whatever the thing is that he might be speaking to you about, it will never be about that thing. Ultimately, See, it's never about the external. So if he says, you know what? Maybe you struggle to get pregnant. He says, I promise you, you will have a child. It will never be about the child. It will be about the work he's doing in you. So when the child comes, guess what? You've been actually set free and you'll hold that child differently. Now you'll get to enjoy the child. You'll get to raise the child. You'll get to experience the joy, but it will never be about the child. It'll be about the work God's doing in you to prepare you for something in the future, which will change your reality now. Does that make sense? It's your preparation for his return. 
So when stuff happens and it's going to happen, guess what? You've had something built in you that's stronger than what's coming and you just ride over it. But we chase the external, we chase the, 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 the thing that we think he's talking about and we miss the work. Hence, rejoice in everything because it builds in you ultimately hope. Who is hope? Him. Let the word of the cross perform its work in you and the power of God of the Spirit will do a work in you. And that Holy Spirit will come and do an authentic work within you which will change you and I from the inside. Substance will be formed. But everything in you and I wants to run from the cross. Unless we have been snapped. Remember my analogy of the bone. We need to be snapped to a good snapping measure. When I preached that, someone sent me an email and really encouraged me. She said, you know what? When my daughter, I think it was her femur, because the picture God gave me was the picture of the femur being snapped. And this person said, I think it was the femur, said when it happened to my, my daughter, her bone was snapped, that when the bone actually grows, grows again, when, this, when the break comes back and the other bone wraps around the original break, it's stronger. So the bone's stronger than what it was originally after being broken. That sound cool? You want to be stronger? You want to be broken? And then get put back together by God, and now you're stronger? Do you think um, Jacob was stronger after wrestling with God? Snap, set his hip out, now I'm going to rename you. He's stronger through being snapped and wrestled by God. And now what your hope is, you don't have to continue to be snapped and snapped and snapped because in the snapping, you've learned blessed are the poor in spirit. The snapping brings you into humility, which is a place of power, remember. And now it's through just the hunger and the desire of God that he births and you come into more because of love. You see, you don't have to keep going through trials and tribulations to learn the lesson that you should come through from revelation. Can you hear what I'm saying? Love, 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 love. It's love that drives you into more of him. It shouldn't be continuing to have to come and be smashed, smashed, smashed. See, if you've got a heart of pride, you'll continue to need to be smashed by the cross. But if the cross has done its work to a good measure and now you walk in humility, you have a hunger in your heart for him, which means just the seeking of him births the reality. Is that making sense? But so often we, I don't know, need the cross to come and he'll use us. But ultimately he wants love to be the thing that forms us out of us. Because I'm going to read you some scriptures about humility and it unlocks. It unlocks him in us. Let me just read some things. Every time we let God's living truth define us rather than what we think or believe to be his truth, then we come into more of his life in us through his power of the Spirit doing its work in us. I call it coming to the end of one's self. What do I mean by this? It means our flesh, which is our heart attitudes and our current mindsets that aren't of him, need to be put to death by the Spirit for his life in us to flow. As I've said, this is an absolute position of strength in him. We struggle to let go of ourselves and our selfish ways because we are not being built in this way. See, ultimately, what this work will do, it will free you from you. Like I've said, it will propel you into his reality. But we struggle with this because maybe we're actually not being built. We turn up week in, week out. We do Christian religious activity, like put some money in a bucket, maybe share with someone a prophetic word. Maybe we share the gospel with someone at work. Maybe we hear the voice of God and do these things which are awesome. But ultimately, we're not changing ourselves. It's all external of us. But ultimately, 
And so there's an authentic work that the Spirit of God does through the power of God, which changes you and I. Hence, we are able to demonstrate it. So we struggle to let go of ourselves and our selfish ways because maybe we're not being built in this way by the Spirit. Because of this, our insecurities come out and we live in the fear of loss. So it's always about what am I going to lose? What am I going to lose? Well, I want you to lose your life. Why, Greg? So I can give you life. There's no loss in that. Not the way we think. To lose our lives is the most incredible thing you can do. Why? Because you're going to find the life I called you for. But see, the fear of loss, the fear of the letting go of control binds us and keeps us eating crumbs. And that is not what we were designed for. That is not what we were born for. That is not what he's called us for. That is not a people that will overcome. That'll be a people that will be overcome by the things. Because there's not an internal world being built and established to be able to ride over the challenges, the trials, the tribulations that he promises. There will come trials. There will come tribulation. There will come pain. There will come. But the people I built will overcome these things. They'll overcome jealousy. They'll overcome insecurity. They'll overcome the fear of man. They'll overcome all the things that we sometimes struggle with or even go after. They'll overcome positional authority. They'll overcome all the things. Why? Because the Spirit is doing a work through Spirit and truth. But we let fear Hold us instead of faith. And that's where obedience must kick in. Raw obedience. I said to you this morning that comfort is overrated. There's a book out, Good to Great. For the little bit, I read the book ages ago and you can take some bits out of it, it's good. But I love, I think this, this, he said this, is that good is the enemy of great. Think about that. Good is the enemy of great. Why? Because it's good enough. The old is good enough. It's good enough, but it's not great. And God is a great God. God wants us living in the fullness of God. Not our revelation 20 years ago of God. Not our revelation of God yesterday. So we're continually moving towards greatness, fullness, maturity in the whole of God. We can't settle. We're not to be a people who settle on yesterday's revelation of the Father. He is the same Father yesterday, today, and tomorrow, but He's a God that's moving, shifting, and we are to be coming into more of a knowledge of God. That was the reason why Jesus came, is to lead us to the Father, to reveal the Father. He said, I am the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. So come follow me, because I want to lead you into the fullness of my reality not just getting some people saved, the fullness of transformation because I've sent you a wedding invitation and it's out there to all. Then we're going to come back and reign on the planet. Whew. So there is a pursuit of him that's required by us. Comfort, overrated. Risk, adventure, scariness. Why? Because if I'm calling you to become, so let my cross do its work in your lives. Let the truth come and renew the thinking so life comes. Let it. That's the purpose of it. We try to protect what we have. I have. But I've got to protect this. And then when he comes and tries, does it work? You know what I've done? You blame other people for your stuff. You blame other people. It's their fault. It's their fault. No. Let the cross go to work on your life. We are called to live in the Spirit, which is from a position of faith, obedience, trust, and resting in Him to do His work and do His work in us. We are called to live 
from a position, a posture of faith, of rest. Listen to this, what this does. This creates a selfless, sacrificial, set-apart, and sent heart, which is no longer concerned about us. He has done such a work in us that self has almost been eradicated. Wow. See, when you read Scripture, you'll see that. You'll know, my disciples, by the way they love one another. Lay your life down for your brothers and sisters. Lose your life to find a life. Now go make disciples of all nations. Be consecrated, set apart unto me. It's all there. Selfless, sacrificial, set apart, sent. Moses, I send you. See, we're not to go because we see the need. We're to go because we're sent. Very different. Very different position. One has the life of God on it, the power of God on it. The other one has you on it. I send you. I send you with my authority. That's the church he's building now. And we as a community, want to submit ourselves to it more and more because it'll birth life in all of us. Guys, there is no other way. There is no other way than allowing the cross to do its work. John 10 is a beautiful example of other people, shepherds, speaking a reality, trying to lead the sheep round another way into the pen. There is no other way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. What's his way? Repentance. My way is repentance. I demonstrated the cross. If you want more of me, repent. Change the way that you think. But Lord, I can't. I need your spirit to change the way that I think. So as I am the way, as we repent, submit ourselves to the truth, allow the truth to go to work through the power of the spirit, I'll come into truth. Not my version of truth. Can you hear what I'm saying? Lose your life to find life. As I submit to the cross, I go from what I might think is truth, but there's no change, to the truth, which is him, not my version of him, him, what happens? Life. Beautiful process. Narrow pathway. I am the way. Repent. Turn to me. You'll find the truth. What does the truth do? Sets you free. Continue in my word if you want to be set free. And guess what that is? Life. And it's just ongoing. In him was the life. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. How bright are you? Be determined by your repentance, truth, life. Where? In. Until God was ready to reveal the Son in me. And then the man goes from being the opposite. Think, think about it. The guy's living the opposite life. And all of a sudden, he's now moving in life. He thought he was. thought he was. There is a way that seems right, but it ends only in death. And the problem with that is we don't put ourselves in that situation. We alienate and we say, well, that's not us. That's not us. We pray to prayer. Yep, but that is us to a measure. See, 
It's a continuous, continuous transformation of the mind. How does it happen? Through the living scriptures, the truth, the cross coming, doing its work. We cannot manufacture or manipulate this work of the Spirit or conjure or whip it up no matter how hard we try and have tried. Man, we're good at that. We'll build it musically. We'll build it with lights. We'll build it with smokes. We'll build it with this. We'll build it with that. We'll create an emotional hype and then give it a respond on their feelings. And then we'll pat ourselves on the back and say, look at that, 200 got saved today. Really? How do you know? How do you know? Maybe, maybe not. But you'll know there's an authentic work done because why? Because you'll start seeing life come. You'll start seeing the fruit of the Spirit start to be demonstrated. It'll go from intellectual knowledge to living demonstration. The world doesn't need more knowledge. It has its opinion of the church generally as it is because of a lack of what I'm talking about. It's called hypocrisy. And we need to actually be truthful and honest enough with ourselves to go, maybe, but I don't want to be. And I want to come more and more into this reality with what I'm hearing. How does it happen? Through us submitting to the living word. The second way this happens is through our weakness. Once again, an absolute position of strength. Come with me to 2 Corinthians 12 and then we'll wrap this up. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. So this whole thing's about Paul's been given a flesh in his side. He says, will you take it away from me, Lord? He says, no. And he said to me, so Christ says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in what? His strength? No. Weakness. Most gladly, therefore, this is the words of Paul, I will father boast about my weaknesses. This is so anti the wisdom of the world. We boast about what we're good about. He boasts about, he's about to boast about what he's weak at. Now, I want you to hear, I hope you can hear, I'm going to hear in the spirit, because, okay, so that, there's that word again. Well, two words that we've been hearing about. So that. Remember Ephesians? I pray so that. So something can happen. So here we go. So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Verse 10. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. That's huge. For Christ's sake, not out of wrong motive, not out of being false humility. I'm not talking about false humility. I'm talking about true biblical humility today. Not of being a doormat for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is completely the right way round. Biblically. But have we come to that position? Have you and I come to this position of realizing that in the letting go of my ability, the letting go of my gifts that I'm operating out of, the letting go of my strength, 
my wisdom, my thinking, my ways, then and only then am I strong. But you don't know me, Greg. I've built my whole life on my intellect. I've always been at the top of my class for intellect. And I pride myself on it. Yeah, we know we can see it. It's very obvious. My ability to do this. And I've become the best I can be at this thing. And I'm building my life on it. Actually, it's become my identity to become the thing I trust in, my ability to make money and support and to all those things that we trust in must die and then be given back to us and allow him to define them if you want to find this position of true humility in him and true authority in him. Otherwise, you will always be in a false reality, saying never being able to demonstrate. Saying you are one thing, great, believe it. It is not the finished work. You must come into it. It was finished at the cross. It's found at the cross. But there's another work in you that needs to happen. So what you say, you demonstrate. Only then is that authentic Christianity. But we are happy with just the speaking of it. So yes, it activates something. I give you my divine promises to partake of my divine nature. Here is the principle, but you must come into the life of the principle. Otherwise, it stays at a principle, and that's really no good to anybody. It's a start, but there's a work. I'm going to work out my salvation. And God says, the work I started in you, the authentic work of the Spirit, I will complete it. So just get submissive and get obedient and get on your knees and allow me to do a work that will take you to the edge, not once, a number of times. But guess what? As I take you there and as I do this work through the power of my spirit, your life in you will become so immense. Rivers of living water will start to come out of you and you'll speak life. And when you are sent by me, you will say my words and things will unlock right in front of your eyes. And you will see the demonstration of my spirit on the earth. Guys, the early church captured this and we read about the demonstration of it. And for the last 1700 years, we have been, I don't know, trying to figure it out. We've lost some things. The enemy's having a field day at ripping us apart. But God is reestablishing, reintroducing it back today. It's the church that are going to overcome things that are coming. And even if it's not in my time, it may be in my daughter's, it may be in my daughter's daughter's time, and I want those children and your children to be prepared and living out the reality. Why? Because someone in front of them has demonstrated, has gone to the cross and is living it out. Knowing that I can't give my daughters a reality, but I can demonstrate it, I can model it, I can pray for them, and I can ask them to walk with me and my wife and you. So he's calling his church. Do we want to be this church? Do we want to be a church that's selfless? Do we want to be a church that sacrifices itself, puts itself second? Do we want to be a church that is sent and set apart for him? But it is not a work of the flesh. We try and do it of the flesh. It has to die. It's a work of the spirit. And he allows the cross to do its work, to birth a spirit of humility. So guess what? We're able to walk in this. Listen to these scriptures on humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Where's the kingdom? In us. What is the kingdom built on? Joy, peace, righteousness, in the Holy Spirit. It's coming in its physical form, but it's now on the earth as a spiritual transformational thing where the lordship, where the dominion of Christ is, there you will find my kingdom. And those who are blessed in spirit, theirs is the kingdom reality. 
I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm not talking about being false humility. We're great at that. I'm talking about where the authentic work of the Spirit comes and you are able to lay your life down and what's in you is selfless, sacrificial because of the work the Spirit's done in you. You don't have to think twice to putting others first. It's a natural response. Because the power of God has come upon you and in you and it's working because you're allowing the cross to define it. Does that sound like a reality or not? It's to be. But see, he's confronting us today. He's asking some massive questions because I'm looking at your faces and you look at me going, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can actually do that or find that place. Guess what? None of us can in our own strength. Great place to be at. You're realizing that's not my reality. I think of me more than I think of anybody. I think of me all the time. What am I going to do? How's this going to... Me, 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 me. Yep. And that needs to bang. How though? Because you can't kill you through the power of the Spirit. The living word. Not Not the false, not just the words. The living word. And you start to realize, have I even... Do I even know what that is? In my whole Christian life, have I even experienced or tasted that? I don't know if I have. I don't been brought up and stuff, but it's not that. I've been taught the principles, but I've never come into what you're talking about that propels you from one reality to another. Speak to us, Spirit. Speak and open up. Jesus had to open the minds of his disciples to understand. Do you realize how important that is? He had to open up their minds to understand. He had to do it. They couldn't do it. He's got to literally take off their heads, open it up, and speak. It's supernatural. You can't understand him just in your own intellect. There's nothing about us that can understand the things of the Spirit. I'm so dependent to get on my face. It's a posture of true humility. It's a posture of power. That's not weakness now. Hear what I'm saying? It's a posture of power in Him. The greatest place you can be is down here like this. And that is a position of power in the Spirit. And then you get up and you've been realigned and you walk differently. You walk in authority now. You walk in this posture of humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those that know where they've come from. Those that know who they are without me. And those that know who they are with me. And that thing anchors them into this reality. Because when these people start seeing the kingdom come and the reality of his power, they stay humble. They don't rob his glory. They don't say they're all this. They don't go looking like this. It's not about them. It's about him. And it's this reality that keeps you anchored. Trust me. And he reminds you, remember where you are from. Remember where you are from. Remember the day I came in and found you in this place. Remember it. Remember it. It doesn't define you any longer. This defines you, but remember it. It's living and it has life. Absolute life. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to know that you are the scummiest scumbag on the planet before he found you. For I am a sinner of the worst kind. What a beautiful reality to realize, but not stay there. But you need to realize it. Why? So you can realize who you're called to become. That thing motivates the new. And guess what? You never want to go back there, but it's altered you in the revelation of it. It creates, you know, the greatest thing it does, it births humility. It's where humility, true humility is found. Because all of a sudden, you're able to see him for who he is. And you're overwhelmed that he can love And guys, even in that state that I was found 15 years ago, this is how phenomenal he is. I still chose him out of self. Do you realize how disgusting that really is? Even in myself, I still asked for his help. It was about me. 
And he was still there. And the day that that, you realize that is the day that I will lay my life down for you. I will be selfless and sacrificial and set apart for you because you, I have never found anyone like you. Never found anyone like you, Lord. Never found anyone that would love me. I get this, Lord. You are so worthy to be praised. I give you my life today. I continue to give it to you today. I pray, guys, that we would seek him at this time. There's such a measure to be found in who he is. And we've been sold a lie. We've sold it to ourselves and the enemy has sold it to us. And we've settled. We have settled. And yet it will cost us. You can't find it any other way. You can't find this life any other way but through the death process. And it's a beautiful process to die. It's a beautiful process. When he said, come follow me, basically he said, come to your own funeral. And we want to avoid our own funeral, don't we? We want to, no one wants to die, but he says, come to your own funeral. But guess what? I'm going to lift you the lid and I'm going to resurrect you out of that flipping box that you're in and you'll walk differently and continue to walk differently. Why? Not because of anything you've done, but because of everything that I've done and who I'm calling you to become. And we find this life through the continuous work of the cross, changing the way we think, birthing us into life of the Spirit, and through this position of weakness, humility, which creates a hunger and a position of strength in Him. So, Father, I just pray. I want to invite you, if you want to get on your knees right now, just get on your knees. If you don't, that's fine. I just want us to pray for us and just ask Him to come and show us Himself. Oh, Lord. Father, we thank you that you are beautiful. We thank you that you are radiant. We thank you, Lord, that your love is all-encompassing, surrounding. And Lord, I pray today, if we've never experienced it, we've heard about it, we've been taught about it, but Lord, we've never experienced it, I pray, Father, you would come and just smash through. Smash through our reality. Smash through our veneer that we've created. That we've told ourselves to protect ourselves. That we've built up to keep ourselves safe. I pray you would smash through it today. And that we would taste you for the first time in our lives. Father, the reality of you. Holy Spirit, we ask you by faith to do this work. Knowing that. We cannot do it, but we ask. Lord, I pray that we would be an obedient people. That we would be a surrendered and submissive people. And that is a position of life and power and humility. That we will allow you to do what you want to do. Lord, I pray we would not be haughty or think more highly of ourselves or look upon one another with distaste, but we would look upon one another with love. And we would start to understand the way in which you build your church. Lord, we would understand the giftings that you've given. We would understand the way in which those gifts work and the function of those gifts. We would start to see as you see not through eyes of the flesh which creates fear, but through eyes of the Spirit which creates faith. Faith and obedience, Lord. The ability to see and raw obedience to follow when we can't see so we're able to see. 
Father, you love us with an all-consuming fire and power. And I pray, Lord, today that we would position ourselves and posture ourselves to receive from you. So then we're fully able and capable to demonstrate you. We are all sons that are growing up and maturing. So Lord, thank you that your grace is sufficient to perfect the power in us, no matter what we are going through. I pray for all those that are struggling with their health today. And I pray, Lord, you would strengthen them within, that the power of God would be within to walk tall, to stand tall, and to continue to confess, no matter what happens, that you are good. No matter what happens, Lord, this earth is not our resting place. This earth is here and everything in it to prepare us for our home. So we enjoy it, but we are not defined by it. Hallelujah, Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless you, Father, this morning and tonight and this afternoon. Bless you, Father. There's a lot on my soul, oh, on my soul, worship His holy name, and I'll sing like never before, oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name, and I'll bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, oh, my soul, worship your holy name, and I sing like never before, oh, my soul, I worship your holy name, Lord, I worship your holy Father, I worship your holy name. Thank you, from one another but to commit to walk with one another and as your Holy Spirit leads and guides and does its work in us I pray Lord as Galatians teaches us that we would learn what it means to carry one another's burdens that would be a light thing that we would walk with walk beside and support one another as we go through this transformational process. That we would be there for one another. Speaking truth and love. What's needed, not what's wanted, but what's needed. And so the truth can be birthed. And as that inside out process happens 
as the flesh comes out and as it's allowed to come out, love would cover. Love would cover a multitude of that reality. Because for to come in, some stuff needs to be out. And that we would love as you've called us to love. And as John 17 says, I have made my Father known and will continue to make him known so that the love in which he loves me will be in you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the authentic work that you are doing here. You're doing it around the country, but you are doing it here as well. Around the nations. Jesus' name.